It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's another vacation mailbag as I dig into your questions about Darko Ryakovich's priorities in year one, fantasy additions to the Raptors from the last three NBA drafts, and some unheralded dudes from the NBA championship squad of 2019. We'll get into all that on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, August the 17th as I'm recording from the past with another vacation mailbag episode. I'm of course your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors and of course you can join the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is right down there in the description of the podcast if you're watching on video and if you're listening on audio just go through the little description in the app and find the link to come and hang out in our discord server it's a ton of great fun lots of good folks in there we're playing hoop grids we're talking blue jays we're talking raptors offseason scuttlebutt and so so much more would love to see in there as part of our growing community of listeners over on discord uh also Please uh, go and find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. It's uh, free all the time. There's no money to be paid whatsoever. All I ask is that you subscribe, leave ratings, leave nice words, and uh, boost my ego. And that is uh, you doing a wonderful service to me. All right, let's get to it on today's show. We're digging into some more mailbag questions. Uh, You guys came through with a ton of really good ones in the Discord over the last uh, week or so before I headed out on vacation. And so we're just going to hammer through these one by one. We will begin... With this question from Skip to My Lou in the Discord asking, if you were Darko Ryakovich, what would your first priority be aside from winning in the October to December stretch of the season? This is a very good question. I think for me, the biggest thing is role definition. What did the Toronto Raptors of 2022-23 lack? It was role definition. They had it for about 10 games at the start of the season when Pascal Siakam was playing like an MVP candidate and it was pretty obvious that he should be the dude through whom everything flows. Of course, that did not last forever because he got hurt. Then he came back. The team was kind of in a bad way. There was overlap. The starting lineup, the fit was just a little bit clunky because there's just too many mouths to feed, too many guys who wanted to get shots up, a lack of role definition, a lack of, you know, screening and positional versatility, a lack of people doing center-related things, etc., etc., and those lineups kind of lost their juice. But Pascal, 
you know, that was a beautiful thing. Kind of him knowing that, all right, this is my team. I'm the heliocentric guy. And the first 10 games of the season were probably the best 10 games of the season until Jakob Pertl arrived. And I don't think that is a coincidence. Of course, I don't think we're going to see Pascal Siakam get the keys to the team like he had them at the start of the 2022-23 season because, as we've heard all summer long, Scotty Barnes is going to be featured heavily, as I think he probably should be because you've got to figure out what exactly Scotty Barnes is. You have to see if this point Scotty experiment is going to work. I know I have my doubts about it, but I'm happy to see it in practice to see if there is something to it. And if it's not, then you can pivot and make decisions about the roster from there, kind of getting a full season's worth of Scotty at the point or Scotty as one of your lead ball handlers. Pascal's still going to run plenty of possessions, but I do think there has to be that role definition. There has to be a clear sort of, all right, when Scotty's on the floor with the rest of the starters, he's going to initiate most possessions. Pascal's going to be a secondary creator. He's going to be a guy who takes catch and shoots, a guy who works off the ball. Uh, and, you know, he'll probably get his turns to run the team when Scotty sits. And, you know, again, it's not going to be exclusively that Scotty's walking it up every single possession. But I do think we'll see a lot of that burden shift to him. It's totally possible that he fails at it in the first couple months and Pascal Siakam slides in and is the sort of lead ball handler for this team again, if he's on the team, of course. Um, but as of right now, that's just sort of the biggest thing is how do you determine the roles within the team? And I think a big part of this, too, is the second unit. What was the thing that Dwayne Casey did so bloody well throughout his time? It was a thing that drove people nuts a little bit, but in hindsight... It's pretty awesome. He would establish a 10-man rotation and stick with it and have basically to the minute the same rotation patterns every single game. And look, that has its limits, of course, when you get to the playoffs and you have to be a little bit more pliable, a little bit more adaptable, and you know, you're know you reacting to matchups as they play out over the course of a playoff series. You're reacting to how teams are picking at your weaknesses, how you can pick at another team's weaknesses. But in the regular season, that night-to-night -night continuity and stability is super important. And for a team like the Raptors, that is not right now using the regular season as a testing ground to go and win big in the playoffs. That's just not going to be the case this year. I do think finding some sort of night-to-night regimen, some routine, some stability as far as who's playing, when they're playing, who they're playing with, I think will go a long way to you know forging some chemistry, forging some lineups that make some sense, establishing some core lineups that they can, can, can sort of continually fall back on. And I think that was really the, the great thing about the Dwayne Casey era was the way he used the regular season to establish continuity to turn them into a regular season wins machine. And I know that's not winning a championship, but you got to walk before you can run. And if you can turn the Raptors into a regular season team that overshoots maybe its talent or its projections just because there is that familiarity and chemistry and comfort with the guys playing with one another on the floor, then I think you're cooking. I think you're in a pretty good spot. Um, so yeah, role definition, kind of establishing a rotation, figuring out who are the guys, who are not. It might take a couple of months, right? You're going to have to test out, all right, is Christian Coloco ready? Is Chris Boucher going to be the you know nominal backup five to begin things just because he's making money and he's one of the better, more established players on the team? Maybe he's not part of the developmental future of the team, but what can you get out of Chris Boucher? Can you build up his trade value as a guy who's now going into the final year of his contract? You know, I think that's kind of a sneaky thing to keep an eye on, too. 
do they use the first part of the season to get run for Otto Porter Jr. and Chris Boucher and some of the more established players on the team to, you know, buoy trade value or whatever it might be. And if those guys wash out, do the younger guys kind of cycle in? Um, It's going to be an interesting task for Darko, I think, because there's a lot of interesting players on this team. Maybe the top end talent's not there. The fit certainly to me is not there at the top of the roster either, but there are good players one through like 12 on this roster, guys who can play NBA rotation minutes, and that's going to be a challenge here. So October to December, you're you're using the play-in tournament. I guess that's the other priority is win the play-in tournament because that would be super fun. Um, But you're using that sort of November period, the play-in tournament era of of the season going into December to sort of test things out, throw stuff at the wall, and then hopefully by the time you get to December, you've actually landed on what your main rotation is going to be and you can ride that as much as you can obviously injuries will come into effect and all that stuff too but uh that would be top priority for me and i think again with with scotty barnes like just kind of establishing out of the gate where his bread's going to be buttered what he's going to be asked to do night to night i think that was a pretty lacking thing on last year's team it didn't seem like scotty barnes really knew where his spots were going to be where his pockets of the game were going to be and you know part of that's on him for kind of floating through games at times but there was also just a very clear lack of definition in terms of how that team was supposed to operate and the way they played offense didn't help with this either right they play this very sort of stilted uh you know iso ball mismatch hunting kind of nasty basketball you would think you would hope that Darko ball where it's you know 0.5 offense and you're moving the ball and you're moving off the ball and there's cutting and all this stuff you would hope that that's going to kind of foster a bit more of a natural hierarchy in place right where things kind of you know are laid out and a, a real sort of offensive system as opposed to just kind of trading isos where there's no real lead dog it's just all right everyone just kind of have your turn uh, i think that would go a long way to making it a much smoother start to the season for the raptors than they had last year We'll come back on the other side. we got more mailbag questions. We've got uh, a question about young guards from the last three NBA drafts who would be really good additions to this Raptors team. We will get to that one in just one second. Before we do that, however, I should tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Football season is drawing very close, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time they win in the regular season that is super fun you pick a team you ride with them through the year and you're not just waiting for that end of season bet to pay out you get those little bonus bets all throughout the year and if you've picked a good team what are you gonna get 11 12 13 games worth of bonus bets that is pretty awesome just pick any team to win the super bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory you can use those bonus bets on spreads player props over unders and more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with america's number one sports book that's fanduel.com slash locked on go check them out the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning into this vacation edition of Locked On Raptors. I'll be back doing regular episodes a uh, week after next. So uh, there will still be a couple of banked mailbags for you next week. Go back and listen to the show with Katie from Tuesday if you haven't done that yet either. And uh, thanks for sticking around during this little uh, vacation that I think was pretty well earned uh, that I'm as I gallivant through the West Coast. Okay, let's get into the uh, next question we got here. This one comes from Matt T asking, if you could add any young guard that was drafted in the last three years, who would you pick to join the Raptors? I'm not going to go with the 2023 draft, the one that just happened, just because, A, we haven't seen any of these dudes play, and I also talked enough about how much I love Kobe Bufkin's game. Uh, you know, plenty of plenty in the lead-up to the draft. So I'm not going to go and you know sing the praises of Kobe Bufkin again. Hell, by the time you're listening to this, maybe Kobe Bufkin is on the Toronto Raptors. Who's to say? Um, but if we're going back, let's go through 2022, 2021, and 2020. Um, I'm just going to pull up at references draft guide here because I had it open then I closed the tab because I'm a fool um but I I think three guys kind of come to mind for me and two of them are in the 2020 NBA draft and kind of in the deeper reaches of that draft for me I think the two guys who stand out I mean I guess we could add in Desmond Bain. He's the third guy. I just have kind of pushed Desmond Bain out of my brain because it makes me sad that he's not on the Raptors, considering the Raptors uh, could have just taken him at 29 instead of Malachi Flynn. That's fine. Whatever. There was a, the reasons for defending the pick of Flynn at the time, too, although I was not a big fan when it happened. Um, let's get into the two guys, though. Tyrese Maxey is the obvious one. Like him scurrying around, flying off ball around Scotty Barnes, the three-point shooting. He's like a 40% three-point shooter. He's like a 55% three-point shooter against the Raptors, it seems. Um, He had that massive game at the start of last season. I I think Tyrese Maxey would be just a glove-like fit with Scotty Barnes going forward. And that's the answer. That's like the reasoning for any answer to this question, right? Is if I could add a young guard to pair with Scotty Barnes, it's not just to be on the Raptors. It's pairing with Scotty Barnes. I think long-term, the best type of teammate for Scotty Barnes is going to be a combo guard type who can shoot. Um, I think that's just what you got to be aiming for because Scotty's obviously going to have some role in creation. You maybe don't want like a traditional full-on point guard to pair with him necessarily, although having a traditional full-on point guard would not be bad. And like, you know, pairing a prime Kyle Lowry with Scotty Barnes would probably kick a lot of ass. Uh, but I think more of a combo type who can take on some of the scoring burden that I don't know if Scotty Barnes is really ever going to be able to fill in at his peak. We'll see how the shooting comes along, the mid-rangers, the scoring around the rim, all of which dropped off pretty significantly last season as far as efficiency goes. We'll see, but I think like a combo guard type to pair with Scotty Barnes who can shoot the lights out is going to be that primo partnership you're looking for with him going forward. So Tyrese Maxey is easily number one for me in answering this question. The next guy is someone I've talked about on the show a little bit this summer, who I'm very infatuated with, who I still would like the Raptors to go and pursue, and was drafted just four spots after Maxey in 2020. And that's Emmanuel Quickly. A little less proven than Maxey, obviously. I do think, however, that Quickly is just like a significantly better defensive player than Maxi, and that honestly might tip the scales towards quickly being the better long-term player. We'll see. Like, Maxi's got a head start on him without a doubt. He's a perfect fit next to Joel Embiid as well. Uh, and if James Harden's out of the team, I think we're going to see Maxi take another step in this coming season. But his defense leaves a lot to be desired. 
Emmanuel quickly is one of the best point of attack guard defenders in the NBA. Doesn't have the same offensive punch, it seems, as Maxi just yet, but I think given more opportunity, given a little more run, a starting opportunity with the team like the Toronto Raptors, I think we could see him kind of have similar comparable offensive stats mixed in with just excellent defense. He's probably not going to be like the 40% shooter that Maxi is seemingly every single year, but quickly, there's a lot to like there. And so those are the two guys that really stand out. When you go to the 2021 NBA draft, the uh, there will be a question on this on a next week episode of the Mailbags as well about the 2021 draft and redrafting it that I'm very excited to get to. But when it comes to the 2021 draft, the Scotty Barnes draft, is guards, it's pretty lean, right? A lot of forwards, a lot of sort of big wings, and a lot of sort of weird in-between players that I'm not really sure what they are. Um, if you go through the guards just as they were listed on draft night, Cade Cunningham, I mean, that'd be nice for sure. Might be overlapped with Scotty a little bit. We also haven't really seen Cade play any basketball yet, so that's probably not my top pick here. Jalen Green, I think, is the clear pick. He's really good. He played for a team that made no sense whatsoever, but the offensive skill is pretty undeniable. Like, I don't think the comparisons to Bradley Beal and Zach Levine and Devin Booker are all that crazy with Jalen Green. There's absolutely a world in which he becomes one of those top-flight, incredible go-to shooting guards in the league. Will the defense come along? We'll see. But pairing him next to Scotty Barnes, what a treat that would be. That would be incredible. Not going to happen, but that'd be nice. This is a fantasy question, so that's what we're doing. Um you know, going down the list, Jalen Suggs, I think, you know, doesn't move me just yet. The offense just has not come along, despite the defense being very high level. Kind of a similar situation with Davian Mitchell for the Kings at number nine in that draft. Uh, and then scrolling even further down, like, there's just not a lot of really good guards who went off the board. Um, you know, if I'm going to pick anybody from these other drafts, pairing him with Alperin Shengun, like a, a Shengun Barnes front court, baby, we're talking. I would love that. That would be incredible. You know, try to get Shengun for Pascal Siakam right now if you can. Uh, I doubt they would do that, but that's those are the kind of guys who really I, I loved from that draft. Uh, after that, you know, I'm not really moved by Cam Thomas or Bones Highland, kind of the exact same player, just on different coasts, it seems. Um, Quentin Grimes is actually a pretty good one at 25th in that draft. Uh, you know, just I've said this before. I think Quentin Grimes is the type of player who's going to be on really good teams for like the next dozen years as one of those sort of recurring Danny Green, KCP type guards who just does everything you want from a fifth option on a team. And every team kind of needs a guy like that. I think Quentin Grimes is very much in that milieu, if you will. But uh, that's kind of the, the list of dudes. The 2022 draft, uh, let's quickly run through that as well. I, I think... It's so hard, right? We're still so close to that draft. Um, we don't know what these guys are going to be. Probably Shaden Sharp would be the guy just because of the the peaks that he's shown. Um, Jaden Ivey, really exciting. Does he shoot enough to pair with Scotty Barnes? I'm not convinced of that. Um, you know, Jalen Williams, good Jalen Williams uh, from the Thunder would be pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I think really it's Maxi Quickly and Jalen Green are the three who pop out as obvious ideal fits next to Scotty Barnes. If in fact, uh, they were to be able to add those guys in this fantastical scenario outlined by our pal Matt T in the discord. Uh, we will uh, come back on the other side and get into one final or two final questions from the same listener, by the way, uh, as we're going to go back in the vault, look at some old Raptors, some guys from the uh, championship team that are under under unheralded or underappreciated, whatever, what have you. And then a look at uh, my three favorite Raptors from any era, a big loaded question. We will get to that 
coming up in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Locked On Blue Jays. Go check out Craig Ballard, who's done a great job digging into the Jays as they push towards the playoffs, fighting off the red-hot Seattle Mariners, uh, and try to chase down those Orioles and Rays in the AL East. It's very dramatic times in Major League Baseball, August Baseball. Super fun right now, so go check out Locked On Blue Jays as Craig Ballard is there for you each and every day on both your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's close it out now with a couple of historical questions, Will, if you will, uh, from Michael Townley in the Discord. Great question asker in the Discord. The question first up here is, who do you think is the most overlooked player from the championship run? Um, you know, I could go Jody Meeks. I could go Eric Moreland. I overlook those guys all the time. I don't think this is really what the question is being asked. I think we're going more sort of uh, rotation guys on that Raptors team. I think for me, it remains Marcus Gasol. I don't think the Raptors win that championship without Marcus Gasol. I, I, you know, I think there's this sort of thought out there that, oh, could they have just won it with Jonas Valanciunas? No, I don't think they could have. I love Jonas Valanciunas. He's a very good player, has been for a long time, but he's not guarding Steph Curry above the break uh, in, in the finals. Like, Marc Gasol did that. Marc Gasol, yes, he had his ups and downs. He had his really bad stretches with shooting and struggling from deep and struggling from, you know, push shot range. Like, it was not always perfect for Marcus Saul in that playoff run. He averaged just 9.4 points a game, 6.4 boards, played just 31 minutes. You know, obviously, you know, wasn't in there all the time. But, man, he was the guy who tied that team together, and there's just no two ways about it. That team, if you recall, 2018-19, there was the Kyle Lowry running without Kawhi Leonard Raptors, and there was the Kawhi Leonard Raptors, and there were these two disparate versions of the team, both excellent versions, I should say. They won 58 games that that year um, and were just fine going into the trade deadline, but they didn't have something to tie those two versions of the team together until Mark Gasol came along and started throwing great passes from the elbows and banging in threes. It was really, really wonderful to see Mark Gasol just kind of tie it all together, make it all make sense. He was that final puzzle piece, and and I'm not convinced they win in the playoffs without him. I don't think the Valanchunas-Abaca front court would have worked when they had to go big against the Sixers. I think Gasol's defensive versatility, the fact that he could kind of play the angles, despite not being a very fast guy and very fleet of foot at that point, the way he was able to just kind of hedge the pick and roll, use his arms and his length and his wits and his positioning just to cut off all options in the pick and roll. Just really, really amazing stuff. Just one of my favorite Raptors to watch kind of do his thing of all time. And the way he tied that title team together was just so impressive. They do not defend Steph Curry as well as they did, if not for Marcus Saul. And I will never forget game one of the finals, Marcus Saul coming out like a new and fresh man. Like it was it was pretty awesome. I'm just gonna pull up the uh the game log here for his uh for his finals performance. But he goes from in the middle of the Bucks series, 
basically being asked to like people are calling for him to be benched after game three uh where it's, it's just like not working he's not hitting anything the threes aren't falling whatsoever he looks a little washed and cooked and then he kind of emerges game uh four against the bucks he comes out sorry game three against the bucks he has 16 points game four he comes out and has 17 points those two massive pivotal games where the raptors save their season win that overtime thriller in game three blow the, the bucks out by 18 in game four Gasol was just bloody impressive in both of those games. Probably his two best games as a Raptor. And then you get into the finals, and game one, he comes out for 20 and seven and is banging in threes. He goes two of four from deep. And that opening game of the finals, yes, Pascal Siakam gets all the plaudits as he should because he was incredible in that game. But Gasol, the way he defended Steph Curry while also kind of shaking off all of the struggles he had had with uh, with shooting and just kind of being on the floor offensively, not finishing his twos, all of that stuff, he really, really sorted it out. And it was a beautiful thing to behold. Marcus Gasol, the most underappreciated player on that Raptors team. Probably, I mean, other candidates, Danny Green was obviously very valuable and very important. He uh, shot horribly for most of that playoff run, uh, had his moments here and there. Norm Powell obviously had his moments against the Bucks. This is the thing is you win a championship, you're going to have a lot of guys who kind of have moments that get a little overlooked. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet had his heater against the Bucks and all of that. I feel like he gets his proper appreciation. He got a freaking finals MVP vote, for God's sake. But um, and I guess, you know, Kyle Lowry is also kind of always underappreciated because Kyle Lowry is a genius who makes basketball work more good for the teams that he plays for. And uh, but yeah, Marcus Gasol to me is the most unheralded member of that Raptors team. Brings us to this question by Michael Townley to close things out. Who are your three favorite Raptors from any era? This is an unfair question because it's really hard. Um, and I like to do hard work on mailbag podcasts. What are we doing? This is against the spirit of a mailbag where you're supposed to bring me the content and then I uh, talk aimlessly for a few minutes about it. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I mean, Kyle Lowry's number one. There's just no doubt about it. Kyle Lowry, watching Kyle Lowry for his entire prime, I grow to appreciate him more Every year we get removed from Kyle Lowry being on the Raptors, the way he was just this constant, this figure, this pillar of what the Raptors did of the most successful era for the franchise. And frankly, one of the most successful eras that any franchise could even hope to achieve. You have seven or eight years where you're just awesome year in, year out, making playoff runs, making deep playoff runs, having regular seasons that just brought so much joy to random January and December nights, Kyle Lowry deciding, all right, it's a Kyle Lowry FU game night, let's go. Like, I don't know if I'll ever have that kind of constant level of joy and and, and just excitement watching a player play for the Raptors. Um, and it was also, a part of it was that it felt like you were in on a bit of a club where a lot of people didn't seem to understand the value of Lowry. Even a lot of Raptors fans didn't seem to understand the value of Lowry. I had uncles who were like, you got to trade Lowry. He's bad. DeRozan's the best player. I think any real head knew that Kyle Lowry was always the best player on those teams, despite how great DeMar was for a few of those years. And to kind of be on the inside, knowing that Kyle Lowry was as great as he was, and getting those little flashes where the rest of the world would see it, whether it's a, a massive, you know, 30-burger against the Cavs in a national TV game on a Friday night, finishing it off with a with a step back um, in that February 2016 game, or, you know, obviously the playoffs going 11 straight points in game six of the finals, uh, taking charges in the All-Star game, all this stuff, 
those little moments where the whole world got to see, oh God, Kyle Lowry's a genius who's amazing, isn't he? You know, the, the bubble, I think, really stands out here too. The, the Celtics series, yes, the Raptors lost. Yes, it was heartbreaking. That was the best series Kyle Lowry ever played. And he was just so all-encompassing for all seven of those games. Just an absolute basketball genius at his most genius. And uh, yeah, Kyle Lowry's my favorite Raptor of all time. I don't think I'll ever enjoy watching a player as much as I enjoyed Kyle Lowry. And again, the sort of exclusivity of the Real Heads Know Kyle Lowry Rocks Club was uh, really fun to be a part of as well. As far as the other guys, I mean, my sentimental favorite is Terrence Ross. Uh, the little picture you'll see on the back if you're watching on video, the, you can't really see, uh, but I'm pointing to it right now. It is Terrence Ross uh, framed on the wall. Love Terrence Ross. I love the dunk contests. I love the 51-point game. I love the flirtations with being the best shooting guard in the world and kind of never really tapping into that for longer than a game or two at a time. And the sort of the tease that was Terrence Ross at times, I appreciated that. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it always he was always one of those guys where it's like, if he can just put it all, I'll put it together. This is going to be amazing. Um, you know, the steal against Paul Pierce, the throwing it out of, off of bounds of, sorry, throwing it out of bounds off of Paul Pierce to set up the final possession in game seven against the Nets back in 2014. One of my single favorite plays of all time. And it like, for me, removes some of the sting of Kyle Lowry getting blocked by Paul Pierce to close that game out because it was preceded by the play of Terrence Ross's career. And I always have fond associations of that. So uh, Terrence Ross is probably in there. You know, maybe it's a bit of like a hyperbolic pick to say he's one of my three favorite Raptors of all time, but he's certainly one of the guys I've like latched my hooks into the most and really, really, um, really just enjoyed watching. I think for me also, I mean, I've talked about Pascal Siakam, how I can't really view the whole Pascal trade thing with clear eyes because I find him to be just a fascinating player. I have always found him to be a fascinating player, a super fun player to watch, an interesting sort of very unique player as far as like what he does on the floor, the combination of speed and grace and playmaking and, um, you know, the defense when he's at his best defensively, he's like a basketball genius on that end. Um, you know, I think of that Celtics series again, where he was awful offensively, basically a puddle, but was tremendous on the other end as a small ball center, completely mopping up all the messes and, and playing the best defense I've ever seen him play. I think, uh, He's on, he's on my top three for sure. And if I'm going back to like previous era, it's hard, right? Because the Raptors sucked for most of my youth. And so it was hard to really latch on to guys and be like, that's my dude. Um, but Anthony Parker was always a big favorite of mine. Just a couple of years with the Raptors. I maintain Anthony Parker was a better player than Morris Peterson ever was. Mo Pete just got the PR of being on the Raptors for a long time when no one else at that time wanted to be on the Raptors for a long time. But Anthony Parker was just like a perfect 3 and D player. Cool European sort of return to the NBA story as well. Uh, he's right up there. And, you know, Vince, like, come on, the dude dunked so hard. It was unbelievable. Uh, some of my most formative basketball memories are watching Vince Carter uh, put people in the basket. It was uh, an absolute delight to watch him. And obviously things ended poorly. But I think the fact that I weeped openly at the age of 12 or 13 when the trade came down and Vince Carter was on his way to the Nets and the Raptors were getting Alonzo Mourning, Aaron and Eric Williams, and some crap. Uh, the way I weeped when, I, when Jim Taddy told me that on Global News, 
I think that indicates he was one of my favorite Raptors ever. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if we're going even deeper sentimental favorites, I think Serge Ibaka is right up there. What an absolute delight he was to watch and cover. Um, and obviously all the off-court exploits were amazing. He was part of those really enjoyable Raptors teams that won the title. And then even more so, 2019-20, which is my favorite Raptors team of all time. Uh, Serge Ibaka, a pivotal sort of main character on that team. Uh, he's right up there too. So I guess I named six guys and there's plenty more I could go through, but those are some of some of the guys who were in the running. If I had to just like gun to my head, put top three, we'll say Lowry, Siakam, and Terrence Ross. But uh, honorable mentions for sure to Obaka, Vince, Anthony Parker, and surely a few others that I'm forgetting. Shout out to Omar Cook. Uh, with that... We will leave you there. Thank you so much for tuning into this mailbag edition of the show. We'll be back again next Tuesday with another mailbag edition as we, uh, you know, make our way through vacation here. Thanks again to everyone who sent in questions. We got lots of good ones still to come. As I mentioned, we're going to redraft the 2021 NBA draft top 10 uh, on the other side of the the weekend on Tuesday and a lot more still to come. So thank you. And uh, as always, please find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can join the Discord. Link is in the description. Um, although I might not have a fresh link. Uh, if you need a fresh link, you can wait till I get back from vacation because I'm not going to have access to DMs or anything like that. But uh, maybe on Instagram. You can send me on Instagram and I'll send you a link while I'm away. But um, either way, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a blast. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.